This week we sit down with John and Ben Chastney. John and Ben are twin brothers who combine their passion for film production and sports to co-found their national media company, First Scout Productions. Running a business with family members can be both rewarding and challenging. John and Ben share with us the secrets of building their successful values-based business while working with a family member and the lessons they've learned in such a short time on how to successfully build their entrepreneurial venture. John and Ben are two of the most genuine people and entrepreneurs I've ever had the chance to work with. I'm very excited to share their story and learnings with you on the episode this week. Let's jump right in. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' story on how you go from um, uh, probably zero to owning six cameras and having a full-on uh, company. How, how did you do that? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a long story. We'll, we'll do, we'll kind of like dive into it a little bit. So, um, so that's six of about 25 cameras that we own. <laughs> yeah, and then we do, um, we have a network of other professionals that work with us as well. So our, our resource, our army of cameras is actually like bigger than that. And that kind of like hints to what we do as a business. Um, so we're a video production company. And we actually have two uh, areas that we specialize in. One is commercial filmmaking. So we just started um, producing more content for social media marketing, that type of purpose. That's more like uh, higher production value. And then we do sports video for college recruiting purposes. Um, and that's more of a volume play, which is why we have so many cameras, because we shoot thousands of games per year. Um, and produce game film and edited highlight reels for kids to use for college recruiting. So if a college coach, like just if, if you don't know the game, if a college coach is, is looking for their next star player, they're going to ask those kids to send in their films. And that's where we come in. Families say, well, I want my film to look good. So how do I do this? And uh, we'll, we'll provide either, um, we'll do the filming for them, we'll do the editing for them, whatever they need to make a, a good quality piece. So cool. That's yeah. great. Well, guys, take a step back way back, right? Um, obviously, uh, you guys spent your whole lives together. At some point, a business idea was generated. At some point, you tested something, and it became more than something. It became a business. Talk us, you know, walk us through the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, right? Because I think it happened when you guys were uh, in college. And, and give us a little bit of that story of how you came to be an entrepreneur, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into later some of the lessons you've learned. You guys are a sponge for leadership and entrepreneurship and, and all that kind of stuff. But start us through from the beginning. Tell us about the story of how you even started and want, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur. Sure. So we've always loved video stuff. Cameras are so cool. I mean, even I look at these cameras now, I'm like, oh, cool. It, it never goes away. I just love video stuff. So in high school, we loved that. And we did it all the time. We were after school doing video stuff all the time. And our, our video teacher had a son who played lacrosse. And he was like, hey, I need this video for recruiting. Uh, will he come out and film my son's games, make this highlight reel? I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. And I mean, when you're in high school, you're talking about working at McDonald's or, <laughs> you know, digging holes for landscaping or something. Uh, so we were like, a couple hundred bucks, great, we'll do it. So we did that. And the kid actually got recruited and committed to college from that video. And we started, it, the video quality was pretty good to start. And we just started doing that uh, for other teams in the area. We filmed this other team that won their first state championship ever when we were in high school. And it was just kind of started the ball rolling in that recruiting video direction. Uh, but that was in high school. You know, now we're going off to college. I went to, um, 
I went and studied film in college. John, of course, studied mechanical engineering, obviously. <laughs> we're, we're engineers. Like, we're, we got minds, like, kind of like that, mathy sort of minds. Um, but we, we went off in college, went different directions. And then after a couple of years in school, came back together. And this, John had been doing this as kind of a side job. Uh, good quality film for kids to get recruited. We're working with places like Phillips Exeter, club teams where all those all-star kids who want to get recruited play together on one team. And he kind of just had that going. And we looked at it and said, hey, we should try this. We should try this as a legit business. We should make an LLC and pay our taxes. And <laughs> we took a, a credit card. I had a credit card. We maxed it out. We just bought like thousands of dollars, like that. A couple thousand dollars for us out of college is like a lot of money. So yeah. we, you know, maxed out a credit card, bought this equipment, started this business and started doing free work. We went out there, we were filming games. We didn't even have a single customer and we just started going. And after a while of that, I mean, that's not a sustainable uh, business plan. We were like, man, we need some customers. We need some people to like pay us to do this. <laughs> yeah. I remember that uh, kind of transitioning to that day where, uh, we said, okay, no more free work. And we lost some customers because that's why they were working for us. But then we, we started to really take off for, for an actual business. And uh, looking back on the numbers of our, of our first season, it was like, I look at them, how, how do we eat? You know, like, how do we survive on the, you know, this, type, this, this much business? But, uh, but we made it happen. And from there, it's kind of been like bootstrapping. Every year we we grow a little more we make a little investment into some new equipment and now we grow a little more make it and uh that's that's where we've we've been at yeah it's, it's amazing i remember the first time uh you know coming to see you guys at your home office and yeah. you had the office in the upstairs right your living quarters in the basement you know you had racks like just like i see behind you guys of all this video equipment all tagged inventory system all set up must have been the engineer coming out right in terms of the organization uh but then unfortunately i, I think i beat beat one of you guys in ping pong and then you know <laughs> that's what that's me. <laughs> but uh, but you know you guys get that grassroots business right and then you realize okay this is a sustainable business we can earn some real revenue create some real value to customers right and i think you guys provide services to b2b customers as well as b2c customers right so you start developing your business model i mean over the years if you if you look back now right and you guys are still very very young in your business and and growth but you know, first few years of your business or first, you know, period of startup of your business to where you are now, what's been the biggest thing you guys have learned about entrepreneurship in general? Because really, you guys got your MBA in starting and growing your own business, right? Yes. Yeah. And a little hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> and then a, a little bit of legacy as well. I know that yeah. was an interesting experience um, for, for us. I and mean, we can talk about that a little bit too. Just sure. having the development growth that we had inside of that company was, was awesome. And I want to touch on that later. Um, sure. So the what's something like the biggest thing we learned about being entrepreneurs is that the question here yeah for, you know so far, if you look back look back at the body of work from figuring out how to start up this business to where you are now what's the biggest lesson you think you guys have learned in entrepreneurism through that experience yeah yeah so for me it's actually a mix of like a personal lesson and a business lesson i feel like when you're an entrepreneur and you have this thing that's your baby you there's no problem. The passion is driving you to work a lot. And that's all that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to, I wanted to work. And when I wasn't working, a lot of times I was thinking about working, uh, working super long hours, like putting myself really into this. 
and always saying like everything else kind of took a backseat to that, especially during the, the growth phase where we went from, you know, let's just call it like one camera up to the 20 cameras, you know, yeah. um, and what was going on in the business there. But uh, there was that, I, I was always thinking like, Hey, you know, like relation, fr my friends, my family, like this other stuff in my life like that. I'll do that after I get this figured out. Like, I, you know, I'll do that stuff. Like as soon as I get this up to this point, as soon as I get this up to that point, then I'll, I'll be free to be able to, to live the life that I want to live. Little did I know that that was just robbing year after year after year of my personal life. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, we were succeeding. Our, our business was growing. I mean, there was a period of, of maybe three or four years in a row where we doubled in size every single year. So you can just imagine the growing pains and the headaches that come out of that, which leads to more work, which means, and I mean, we're doing well too. We're making money. It's, it's, you get that taste of success. Um, but that was the biggest lesson is at some point I had to realize that I needed my priorities to be, I needed to put this thing in priority in my life because there's other things in life that are more important to me. You know, like I want to have a, a family, a good relationship with my family. I want to have friends. I want to do these other things. So that was a huge shift. And I found that, that it is possible to be an entrepreneur, to be passionate, to work. And sometimes you got to work long hours. It just comes with the, the territory like you're gonna have to do crazy things the buck stops with you so yeah. you want to keep things going that happens in seasons um but to keep those priorities straight um because life is going by and when you're in the office how do you make that shift so the reason i ask that we've talked to other entrepreneurs that like work essentially two shifts a day seven days a week and it's not a grind they just love it it's their passion Kind of like where you guys were, like your whole business was born out of your passion for cameras, for videotaping, and it worked. And you, you were so passionate, you did it for free. And like you were going, 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 going. And then like, what happened that all of a sudden you go, yes, I'm crazy passionate about that, but that's not all life has to offer. And I can't wait for life. Life is happening right now. What happened that triggered that and how did you make the shift? Well, for me, uh, I have a really specific answer to that. Um, I got married. Okay. <laughs> That'll uh, do it. Uh, that, yeah. I, I, uh, I, my wife and I, uh, we were friends. I got engaged, got married. And early in our marriage, we were in this growth phase with the business. I was doing the same thing, burning both ends of the candle, uh, working hard to grow that thing, really cared about it a lot. And I also cared about my wife. And uh, this, I remember this one day, we had a date night planned and I just needed to wrap up something at the office real quick. And it was, it, John, it was at that home office that you came and visited. Yeah. So we went up to the office. Uh, she, you know, had a book. She had some knitting or whatever she likes to do. And she sat, she sat on the floor next to me at my computer. And that little thing I had to do was like the thread of a sweater and when I pulled on it, it just unraveled into more things that need to be done, more things that need to be done. And literally three hours later, it took three hours to do all that work. Our whole date time was spent doing that. And I remember I was in the chair and I was thinking, man, she must be so proud of me for working so hard for us. <laughs> I thought that. Yeah. yeah. Not what she was thinking. <laughs> she was really mad and hurt and, and got more mad and more hurt the more time it went on. I sat in that chair. Uh, that for me, when I kind of realized, oh, 
oh man, this is what my actions do to her. Priorities are when push comes to shove, what gets shoved? I was shoving my wife for my job. That's not cool. <laughs> so for me, that was a big moment. And I came, uh, I came back to John when I, uh, I actually had a friend who I explained the situation to him. And he, he told me like, hey, this is what's going on. This is a, an older guy, kind of like a father figure, mentor uh, figure. Hey, you got you to gotta rearrange your priorities. And I just said, I remember that I always didn't want to be that guy who worked and worked and worked and forsook his family, didn't pay attention to his family, who wasn't there for his family. And I realized that I was becoming that guy. That was the road that leads there. You don't, you don't just get there all of a sudden, like one day, you know, you start down a road, it starts little by little. And all of a sudden you look and say, how did I get here? That's the road that I began down that way. So I thought, you know what? Here I am right at the V. I'm going to go the other way right now. That's, that's awesome. There's like, that's the, that's kind of the why for you is this uh, negative stimulus showed up in your life that says, uh, and not that your wife is a negative stimulus, but <laughs> she's, she was the one that was going, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. And you go, yeah, you're important to me and even more important to me than my business. That's kind of why you made the shift. Can you speak a little bit to how you talked to this guy who was kind of a mentor and he told you it sounded like to do something. What did you do to start living a more balanced life? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It's just, it's action. So actions show what you put in priority. Actions were showing what I put in priority. So it was really more of uh, an intellectual decision turned into actions, meaning that I would make more time I would say, hey, if we have a daytime planned, I'm not going to turn on the computer. Or maybe I'll put my phone on silent for just a few hours because a customer can wait a few hours. Yeah, it would be better to answer them instantly for the business, but worse for my date <laughs> that night. You know, um, As far as actions go, I feel like it's lots and lots of little decisions like that. And it comes out of like a, uh, a, dis a, a deeper decision. That, that I made, hey, I'm gonna make this a priority. This, this, this will be my priorities. Uh, and it comes out in a lot of little ways. Well, one of the things you did, it sounded like, is you got some clear boundaries. Here's what I'm not gonna turn the T, turn uh, you know, my phone on, the computer on, uh, so that I could engage something else. Yeah, I went through the same thing. And I remember one time um, I was playing music with my, my friends and we were getting ready to step up on on the stage and play like this set and everyone's all into that and my phone's in my pocket just buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and i knew that at that same time we had crews out at all these different locations and they were calling me for help and i in that moment i had to be like whoa am i gonna like step out of my life here and and deal with business which is important can't be neglected or you know go here and, and and fulfill my commitments here. And it's like, I got in a no-win situation right there. And what, what happened for me is when I realized like, hey, I can't just step away from things all the time and do business. It kind of forced innovation in establishing some processes and like you said, some boundaries. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, if I'm not gonna answer the phone, we gotta have somebody else that can answer the phone. So, so it, forced, it forced me to get organized. It forced me to like think about those assignments of responsibilities and who's going to take care of this stuff. And so it actually led to like positive growth for, for business and for, for processes. Yeah. You know, 
as you guys talk about, you know, family here, right. And you're talking a little bit about, you know, your work-life balance and your families and everything else. And one of the things that strikes me with you guys is, you know, you guys went into business with your family, right. <laughs> and not only that, <laughs> but uh, you, from my experience with you guys, you know, you treat everybody like family, right. You, 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 we had kind of a brotherly relationship. Your customers look at you guys like brothers or sons in some cases, right. They, tr the, the trust is so strong. I mean, again, with the exception of maybe 30 minutes a day at lunch, when we play ping pong. I loved you guys. Like we spent a lot of time together. Right. But, but family also can bring some challenges. I mean, I'm just curious because you know, I don't think I've, we've ever talked about this. I mean, I'm sure sometimes, you know, just like my brothers and sisters, sometimes there's some conflicts that come up, right? Um, and, and, you know, there is that saying, don't go in business with some of your family because you never know there's going to be a conflict. How have you guys been able to handle that together? Because your dynamic has been so interesting, not only to myself, but to many others that know you guys. I mean, you guys are, are, are very family oriented, right? And it's, you know, family comes first. How do you mix that sometimes with business conflict that you may have with each other or other family members? Great question. Yeah, it's, a, it's really a blessing and a curse. One of the good things about working with family is there's uh, there's like a level of politeness sometimes that you don't have to achieve. You know, when you get to like a highly functional, that was putting it lightly. <laughs> when when, uh, when you get to like a functioning team that's really rolling, you should be able to say what you really think. Like that's the ultimate goal. You want to be able to tell your true opinion and know that like that person, you're not going to you don't have to worry about hurting that person's feelings as much as like you're, you're in this mutual pursuit of truth. So I want to do my best to, to help us get there. And he, they're going to, they're going to do the same. And we're all going to like, you know, wrestle this thing out till we get there. Um, so working with family, it's like right away, you're, you kind of have that trust established and you're at this high level of being able to share opinions. But at the same time, there's dynamics there. It's like the curse part of it is the dynamics and like bad habits you've formed in, in like, a, especially a sibling relationship where, where it, that can get in the way of actually making better decisions. It's like, Hey, how am I going to win this one? So, um, yeah, I see it as blessing and curse. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, we argue. Did you ever yeah. see more of our arguments, John, or Never saw uh, I saw some debates, you know, around the, the ping pong table and other sporting activities, but not so much in business. I mean, I, I've seen you guys have different opinions, yep. but, but argue? No, no, I, yes. no, I wouldn't say, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we definitely, um, different opinions is a way to, way to put it and debating, yep. uh, passionately. If I feel really strongly about something, uh, or just sometimes just getting mad and going, flipping out when I shouldn't like that's a lot of times he knows how to push my buttons. I'm like the freak out guy. But then there's, all, there's an apology. So that, that degrades into dysfunction. Then there's an apology. Hey, sorry about that. Hey, we love each other. All right, what's the best thing to do? Yeah, I prob we probably should do it your way. And we get there. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of conflicts like that, without the strong relationship that we have, wouldn't get to the apology and the end. It would just end in the, you know? Uh, so we, we do have that. And there's, there's kind of that risk that you run where you're gonna end up in the crash phase if you if you go down that road of conflict, but for us, we can overcome that. Um, it's it's a relationship, strong relationship that we have. And having that trust is like it's it's powerful. You know, it's how we built our business. It, it, we are kind of like the twin engine to the business. And now we have uh, another one of our employees who we're bringing into that type of relationship too, and being more open with our conversations so that we can have bring another member into that core team 
and it's awesome. I feel like when you build those types of relationships and you have that type of team unity and, and trust and common direction, that's where you can progress. You can, you can, you can do. There, there are a few things you said that uh, I want to highlight that are really important. You're saying when you have trust, you are able to, you guys use words, uh, and I'll kind of put the words you use together. You're able to passionately debate in the pursuit of truth and not worry about hurting feelings. You just put your reality on the table. And I think that's great. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start bringing other people into the fold, that development of trust, you guys already had as family, but developing that then with this third person is probably a different feel because there's not the same background from childhood. A question for you is you go from trust to then having conflict and then making a commitment and then there's accountability and results. Can you talk about once you've had conflict and once commitments have been made in the business, how do you hold accountability with each other? It's hmm. a really good question. I, I feel like I feel like that just happens. Okay, so when there's when there's trust for me, and we we come up with a plan and say, okay, here's what we're going for. Here's what needs to be done. You do this. I'll do that. Um, I feel like because I trust him, I don't really need to hop into his silo too much or he into mine. We're like operating in these silos towards what we're trying to achieve. Um, but there's, I don't know how the accountability piece really yeah, comes into it. Say, I would say we're still learning that. Um, yeah. That's something we're still learning and working on. And I, I feel like with John and I, it's never, it just happens. It just happens. But as you work with more people, that's, you can't just depend on that. <laughs> you got to have a plan. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that we're learning, especially as we invite more people in. Because for, for us, if something goes poorly, it reflects on, on both of us. So you're kind of tied to the results no matter what happens. That's very motivating. Um, so, yeah, yeah I'd, say, I'd say we're still learning that and still figuring that out. Do you separate having conversation about uh, family from the daily dues of the business from like, okay, now we're going to have an owner's meeting and that like, how do you separate all the different topics you guys discuss? What, like, what does that schedule look like? Or how do you do that? Or does it all just blend together? And how does that work? A little bit of a blend. I'd say, I mean, we're, can I, can I, yeah, yeah. So we're such a small team. Like we got, it's the two of us and we have this one other major employee who's coming in, uh, John, it's, it's Leslie. You remember Leslie? Absolutely. She is just, she's just amazing. She just does well at everything. She comes right in and we're trying to make that more of a, like instead of me and John running it and one other person, it's like the third wheel of the business or something. That's not good. <laughs> so we're trying to build that a little more. And for us, there is a big blend of, of personal and business because now we're, uh, we were part of a larger company for a while. Now we're back out on our own. So it's just all about how we are the, the top. We are running the company according to the values that we have. And uh, the first thing we did was sat down the three of us and say, hey, what are we about as a business? But that really bleeds over into what you're about as a person. So all three of us kind of had the input in that structuring of these values and what matters to us so that every day we can operate in a way that's consistent with doesn't compromise who we are as people and that fits with our company values. So it's, 
uh, it's a, it's a big blend, especially being small. Uh, I'm, I don't have a ton of experience with, with bigger groups. Like if this, if our company are huge or I don't know what kind of size companies you guys are involved with, but with bigger groups, uh, but with small group, we are like a little family, like a couple of brothers and sisters and that's it. <laughs> I, I, but, yeah. but although you guys do manage, you know, hundreds of contractors, right. Uh, that are subcontractors of yours that they're not W2s or 1099s, but you're managing a larger audience where communication trust, uh, you know, some of the vendors you or contractors that you've been working with uh, are partners that you've been working with them for many, many years, right. You develop levels of trust and relationship with them. So that comes to play there as well. Right. And, um, it's really, it's culture. It's the culture that we're building. Um, and it, it's, it's okay to talk about personal stuff. It's okay to work hard. It's okay. It's like it, that relationship is all kind of, I feel like it is blended together and that's okay. You guys, you know, as you mentioned, you were part of a larger group before. And John, you mentioned a little bit earlier that there were some learnings from that experience or, or stuff you want to talk about there. I mean, you guys have had a chance to, you know, start up your business probably pivot your business model a couple of times, right? Become part of a larger entity, come out of a larger entity, reboot your business model a couple of times, right? And that's all what entrepreneurship is, continuing to adjust the play in different directions. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that experience and, and, and what you learned from that. Yeah, oh man. So what you're referring to, we, in 2016, we sold our business to uh, John's company, Legacy Global Sports um, at that time. And, and that was a major shift for us coming in like we were doing well we were we were putting up numbers we had things relatively organized um and we we joined that bigger group that was growing fast and i think uh the biggest thing for me john was you i had a boss and a mentor who was also like a friend and and reached out to me like almost like a like a, a father figure like mentor brotherly this relationship and um, was willing to work with me. I remember one time, the first season that we were with LGS, um, we were talking about getting a budget together. And until that point, we had never had a formal budget. So we like, I mean, that sounds insane. <laughs> but like, we, we didn't care. We're, we were making money, you know, things were going well. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Okay. So we, we get this budget together. And I remember the first season we were with Legacy, we, we missed that budget. And I had to call you, John. And I remember calling you and I was like, you know, my voice is shaking, my heart's pounding. John, we missed the budget. Uh, okay, by how much? And I was like, 60,000 or 80,000 or whatever it was. Like to me, it was really big. And I remember your response and I'll remember it forever. You said, okay, how can I help? And the fact that you didn't come down on me with like, you know, the fiery sword or like, you know, or like, why? You know, freak out. That grace and that, that wanting to serve and help lift me up, I can't tell you how motivating that was for me. And a, a major lesson for me when now I'm working with my, with other employees, like, you know, treat others how you'd want to be treated. That's how I want to be treated right there. And then so that was the start. That was like the beginning. I was like, okay, there's a lot. And, and uh, we had weekly meetings or biweekly meetings together and just learning so much about the numbers of the business. Like, mind you, we didn't have a budget. So now we have a budget. Now we're looking at margins. Now we're looking at what are our KPIs. Now we're looking at, and just, I was just like, you know, being totally enlightened to the business side of our business. Mm -hmm. And that was really a major shift for me. And, and 
Um, you know, up until that point, decisions were made off of instincts, off of, uh, you know, what we felt like the market was needing, which I feel like can work to a degree. But until you get those numbers in place, until you start analyzing it from a, from like almost an objective perspective, those numbers, they speak to you and they tell you those are guides for decisions right there. That's a good place to make your decisions from. And that's a, a major, major skill I picked up uh, when I was at Legacy. Um, so we were with that company for three years, two and a half awesome years. And then, <laughs> and then uh, we, we bought the business back. So now we're, we're operating on our own. Um, but I see that that was like my business school right there. That was like my education right there. And those skills, um, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. Get into the numbers, figure out what those, what those, those ratios mean and it'll revolutionize the way that you make decisions and uh, help you grow and manage your business so much more. With as many contractors as you guys work with, how do you hold consistency to the service that you're delivering? Sure. Yeah. Um, so quality is ultra important because we're, we're delivering a video product. So that's our touch point with our customers when they watch it and they want to see good quality and their expectations are so high. You know, if you think people are watching the Super Bowl on TV, it's like they want to see good quality product. Um, so when we're working with those contractors, a lot of them are, are filming games for us. Um, the first thing is you can't control what a lot of these people do when they get out there to a degree. You can't control what they do when they get out there, but you can control who you put out there. So vetting and uh, going through the, the, the processes of making good picks with who we allow into our network is step one. You put a good person in the field with the right skills, they're going to do good work for you most of the time. Um, and then step two, there is an accountability step. Uh, we have managers in place that now are, are helping us review footage on a massive scale. They're, they're boots on the ground, looking at how people are doing their jobs and helping coach so that we're, we're bringing up the quality of everything that we're doing to the standards that we want to hit. So it's like a cascading effect or a whole business. If we want it to be this certain way, we got to figure out a way to get that out to you know, 500, 600 independent contractors. Right. And something that's almost as important as that is when we always give people a chance to rise up coaching. Hey, this is how we expect it. You understand? Yes, I do. Did they meet that or not? On site when you're managing, you can see if someone's meeting that expectation, whether it be they're on time or they're shooting their footage a certain way or whatever the little, the, the little things that they clearly agree on and understand if they don't meet those expectations, we have to make sure that those people don't end up on the crew again. Oh, I had a terrible experience with this person. They were late, their footage was terrible. They were texting on their phone instead of filming that, which happens and worse, like so many times, we'll put a tag on them to not call them. It's important to, to make sure that you're keeping track of that because there's so much information flying around, someone terrible, you, if you identify someone who's not going to respond to coaching, you got to make sure sometimes that is the right thing. Once you give them a chance, coach them, hold them accountable. You can identify someone that just doesn't belong on the team. That's important as well. Yeah. You know, said something about uh, people who are receptive to coaching. How, in your guys' experience, how do you identify somebody who's receptive to coaching versus somebody who is just um, resistant and you're going you're gonna to get what you get and you have to make a decision if that's enough? 
how do you how do you work that process sure yeah i think for my for myself from my experience i've managed contractors and i manage employees in our in our company uh and i manage people on site i like to take a one-on-one approach and this the first part is to be clear with expectations and if you're disappointed with something then be clear with that i'm disappointed with this and this is why i expect this do you understand that yes i do this is part of the job uh and having an agreement and bringing it in a gentle way like you know i don't i'm i'm not a crap crash them over the head type person um i I like to bring it gently and one-on-one so they're not so that people wouldn't be humiliated in in any way like in front of other people if you get yelled at by your boss now they're thinking about whatever else is thinking instead it's a one-on-one thing and really try to appeal to that person on a personal level and then go check in on that hey this is what i'm going to do to review your work i'm going to come by your station at some like your filming station in an hour or at some point this afternoon and see if you're doing these things and go back and you'll clearly, if they don't, if they don't do what they said they would do, that's someone who's not going to respond. They're just trying to dodge your, they're trying to not get caught, you know? Uh, And it doesn't take very many times of that for me to say, this person's not putting in an effort. But I feel like it's really clear if you have clear expectations and you agree, you'll see someone trying and then you can reward the effort and you'll see them, I've seen people just like turn a 180 with that and become these great filmers or the quality goes up or they're on time and all of a sudden you say, hey, great job. They Not only did they do well for me, they just learned something for everything else that they're going to do working-wise. So I, I think that being clear with expectations is a good way to identify that and having some kind of plan to review because otherwise how would you know who's responding and who's not, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's taking a personal approach, I would say. I've seen that work. So guys, let's let's address a little bit of the elephant in the room, which is, you know, we're dealing with a current pandemic and crisis and there's no events going on. And, um, you know, as this year goes on 2020, I'm sure you guys have had to make some adjustments, uh, whether it be to your business model or to how you guys are going to come out, you know, when you guys start uh, filming again to your business. Uh, how have you guys handled uh, this particular year uh, over the past few months? And what adjustments did you have to make from an entrepreneur's perspective um, to get your business ready for when you can go back out and start generating income again? Yeah, so um, we took ownership of the business again in November of last year. So, I mean, we are just getting our feet underneath us. Uh, we had a really hot start first two months of the year. We're like, man, this is looking great. We got clients doubling down. We got this whole slate of this and that. Like, this is going to be awesome. First year in the seat, and then boom, you know, COVID hits. Um, and I, I am so thankful to be where we are now and be able to deal with this because we're so nimble to be able to navigate. As owner operators, we we have flexibility to be able to to navigate this situation. And um, so for for us, the government aid was really big. PPP loan um, that did exactly what it was supposed to do for our business, patching the gap. Uh, It looks like things are kind of opening back up. So when we knew that that was going to be a resource for us, we, we went back and just kind of strategically looked at, at our, at our plan and said, made a couple contingencies, but kind of navigated it in, in that way. I was like, hey, we got this time. What are we going to do with that time? What can we do to drive revenue? What, what are our customers thinking? 
Like that's always a focus is like, what are our customers thinking right now? What are they doing right now? What do they want? And what we found was that with seasons getting canceled and events getting canceled, all that footage that we have in the can from last year was that was their chance of getting recruited. So we started turning and saying, Hey, we're going to give these people a discount to be able to get access to this film. And we sold more film than we ever had more past film than we ever have. And that was like a huge boost. So combine that with the, the PPP loan, it like combined to, to make a really good, you know, situation for us coming through the pandemic. Sounded like you got more revenue than ever from the footage that you had just in inventory. Right. So when taking new footage, when that, as that's starting to open up now, how will you include what you learned about the revenue stream that you could get from the old footage? How will you balance that moving forward? Sure. I don't, I, I, it's a good question. And I don't know that with recent footage coming in, like fresh fruit coming in, uh, it almost is like a expiring good. It's ripe. It's fresh. A couple months goes by. Some other event happens. It's not as ripe. Another season happens. It's not as ripe. So when that new stuff comes in, that's what the college coaches are going to want to see. Cause you think about the way kids grow in high school and two months, three months, huge difference. So the more recent it is that once that starts back up and I mean, I don't know if people are going to take their families to events. It remains to be seen. Events are happening. Like people are scheduling events for July, August, outdoor, big, large sporting events. Uh, so we'll, and we're planning to film that. If kids are going out, if families are going and they're playing, when that film comes in, the value of that is going to be really big for college coaches who have shared that they're going to be sitting in their film rooms recruiting this year. Uh, 40-something D1 coaches were surveyed, and that's what they said. Like, we're going to – we're gonna, that's how we're going to do it <laughs> this year. They don't have a choice, right? That's, you know, so that, that – but you're all right. As, as new content gets created, the old content gets aged out really quick. Um, Yes. That, makes, that makes a ton of sense, you know. Uh, and by the way, as, as you were as you were talking about uh, the teenagers growing up, uh, my boys are growing up pretty quick, but uh, they keep asking when we're going to go fishing again. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, you know, and, and and I think everything you guys are talking about at the end of the day it keeps resonating with you guys. And I'm sure Rich, you've got a good feel for John and Ben just in the short time we spent together. But integrity is very very strong, right? Self integrity integrity, you know, what you're going to provide to others. And I've seen you guys do that with your customers, with your vendors, with your partners, with your employees, with everybody. I think you guys are a role model uh, as it relates to that. And, and so, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, sometimes when you, when you trust too much from time to time, you're going to get burnt, right? Uh, but, but you don't, if you're going to change yourself uh, because of what others do, you know, and I've seen you guys be so consistent uh, with who you are, regardless of the situation and environment, and your ability to kind of, okay, you know what? Okay, we learned the lesson. Let's, let's see what you know, life has given us here. We're going to go take that somewhere else. Where does that come from? From, from a deep-rooted perspective, like I, I've, you guys have had some different moments of stress as an entrepreneur. But you've all, from my perspective anyway, you've been able to somewhat control, contain, process, reinvent, uh, and move forward. Where, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's a personal thing and it comes from my faith in Jesus. Like I'm a, I'm a believer in God and there's promises in the Bible about God's provision in my life. So 
entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Like you're going to be up here, you're going to be down there, everywhere in between, like stuff will hit you like a pandemic, you know, you'd be like, wow, I did not see this coming. And that happens all the time. It's high risk, high reward. It's adventurous. And that's why we love it. You know, that's why we, we, part of what keeps us so like addicted to it. Um, so for, for me, uh, it's knowing that no matter what, um, my needs are going to be provided for. And that's a personal faith thing. Like I, I believe that, that I believe that if this business was gone, you know, if, if the pandemic wiped us out and went out of business, my needs would be provided for some, some way or another. And that if I continue to, to work and, and honor God with my life, that that's going to be provided for me. So like, that's, that's not going to change no matter what. Um, so that's where, that, that's where like the steady hand comes from when the storms rise up and the, the, the worst happens, which happens the worst, the worst may happen. Um, that's where it comes from for me. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you know, as we, as we re wrap up here a little bit, you know, you talked about some of your learnings in terms of, you know, the work life component, you talked about the numbers and you know, you can't, you can't manage what you can't measure. Right. So how do we measure numbers, financial data, KPIs, you know, those kinds of things. If you were talking to a startup entrepreneur today that's starting up their, their new venture, or they're in the early stages of their startup and you're saying, don't do this. Yes. Um, what would, what would that one thing be? I would say I have an affirmative to that because I thought about this. Yeah. Uh, be yourself. It can be extremely exhausting to try to be somebody else. Mm. So look, in, look inside yourself. You have, there are aptitudes that you have that are unique because of the way that you're, you are compared to somebody else. There are things that you're good at. There are things that you're not good at. So look at your aptitudes, look at your giftings, uh, look at your values, what's important to you. For for us, it's it's integrity, quality, owning my mistakes. I learned that from football coach one time. I won't tell him the story, but uh, but there are things for me that like these are are um, non-negotiable things for me. Uh, so as an entrepreneur, when you start, don't bend everything that you are to try to achieve something. I want to build my company and sell it. I want to be this much in revenue or or what, whatever, be true to yourself because at the end of the day, that's going to save you a lot of energy and the world will get what you have to give. Uh, there needs to be an intersection between your aptitude, uh, between your passion. Like I might be good at mechanical engineering, but if I don't care about it, that's not going to last very long. Uh, so there's like an intersection between those two things. And the last thing is the value you bring to the customers, kind of like your hedgehog uh, model, John, that you shared. Um, that's the value uh, I, I've heard. I've read this great book by this author, uh, Timothy Keller. He's, he's just incredible. And he said the definition of an entrepreneur is creating value for people out of the resources that you have available to you. So gifting and what you have as far as abilities is part of that. But also there's the world around you. What resources do you have now? What value can, cre can you create? And that's part of the fun. So I would say be true to yourself. That's my, my main thing, be yourself and do that. How do you balance, I love that message. Uh, I'm curious, how do you balance being true to yourself with always growing, adapting, learning? Like at what point are, uh, is like 
over learning becoming not really true to your core? Like, how do you balance that? How do you guys balance that? That's a good question. And actually, uh, being true to yourself will help you learn faster. Because if you, if you put yourself out there and let's say it doesn't make money or like that football coach, I, I, I made this guy mad uh, one time. My brother was doing my scheduling. He sent me to the wrong address. Well, it's not like that was the problem in the beginning is he did your scheduling. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, that's what I told the coach. That's what I told the coach. So, I was late for the game or I missed a play or something. I went up to the coach after the game. I said, coach, I want you to know, hey, I missed this game. My brother did the scheduling. He sent me the wrong address. He said, way to throw your brother under the bus. <laughs> that, and, it, and he was like, I, I don't know if they lost or something. He's mad. But that stood out to me. Uh, like, whatever the mistake was, I can, I can own it. Like, I can take heat so i was true to myself at that time but maybe i had something that wasn't quite right about myself that then i tweaked and i learned from that experience so you you learn faster that way and being able to admit you're wrong is a big part of that because then yourself will continue to change and continue to grow and like john you mentioned we're young and we were we were even younger when we came to legacy and just learned a ton and we'll continue to learn because we're just doing it how we would do it that speaks to real, the value of humility in being true to yourself, but balancing, uh, you know, as you just said, admitting when you're wrong, sure. which obviously people don't want to be wrong. You want to be right. But when you admit that you're wrong, you learn. So I totally get, and you guys, you guys come off as so humble and so genuine. I'm sure that's one of your keys to success for the contractors you work with and the customers you service. Thanks. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, I, I can't, again, I'm continually impressed by you guys because you listen to the messages that you guys have. And, you know, there are entrepreneurs that have been in business 25 years that still don't know what their non-negotiables are, right? That still don't know how to have a heavy hand, right? Or a steady hand, excuse me, in, in moments of stress and crisis. Um, and there's, we've seen a lot of that recently in the, in the past few months, right? Uh, they weren't ready for something to happen, not from a business side perspective, but more from an emotional perspective to realize that, you know, this is business. We're, we're going to figure this out, have that, that ability to get through those times. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you, come, you know, coming on and speaking with Rich and I, uh, and, and I think everybody's going to learn a lot from just the simple messages that you guys have. They're, they're very, very simple. And uh, I wish you guys the best success with uh, your, your next few years of business because I, I have tons of confidence you guys are going to come out of this uh, current pandemic, extremely strong and, uh, and hungry to, to grow your business and enjoy a lot of success. So appreciate you guys coming on and speaking with us. Yeah, I appreciate you. I learned a ton and I'm sure people who are listening did too. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.